Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sports Section, a podcast brought to you by the Rider News. My name is Carl Pascal. Join alongside me, as always, Dylan Manfrey, Trey Wright, and Jake Tiger. And we've got a lot to cover this week. Uh, didn't get to do a podcast last week, unfortunately, but there is a lot to go over uh, this week. We've got men's soccer, women's basketball, men's basketball, volleyball, and even ice hockey. And it's a lot. And we're going to start off first with men's soccer, which made it all the way to the MAC finals uh, this year. And first time since 2018, they've been back to the back. Yeah, back to Dylan's freshman year, uh, 2018. Um, first time being back in the MAC finals since then. And uh, I'll pass it over to Trey to talk a little bit about the team. Well, thank you, Carollo. So, uh, past two games, final two games of the season for the Ryder Bronx, the men's soccer team have been were absolutely insane. We'll uh, touch a br- uh, briefly on the semifinal game against Fairfield, the last home game of the season at Ben Cohen Field on Thursday night, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, what a thriller that was! was down a uh, one goal, uh, down by one, entering halftime. Uh, looked like Ryder may have a the hype train, like the. Hype train might be uh, stalling a bit short for the Bronx, but Fairfield was awarded a red card, or I should say a rider was awarded an advantage with uh, Fairfield being handed a red card, going down one man, similar to uh, when rider was uh, down a man against the Marist a couple uh, weeks ago. But nonetheless, rider had an advantage, and then uh, Guillermo uh, Pavel Vidal ended up tying the game if few minutes later from a Caffrey uh, came right off of the bench 30 seconds prior and ended up tying the game and then game went into overtime and uh, both uh, teams of play it was a slug quite a bit uh, quite literally a slugfest between both the Stags and the Bronx game went into double overtime it looked like we might be going into a penalty uh, into penalty kicks when lo and behold the man the myth the magician himself Tanner Bay pulls some more magic out in the 109th minute, gets a pass, receives a pass from uh, Pavel Vidal inside the six-yard line box, and ends up taking, uh, putting the, uh, putting the ball in the net. And let me tell you, I was at the game. Ben Cohen Field exploded into a frenzy of cranberry, with the Bronx uh, going to the final game, which ended up being in Poughkeepsie, New York, to take on the Marist Red Foxes and. That game happened Sunday morning. We had a, quite a few Ryder fans travel up to that game. And it was it was a slugfest uh, in itself as well. Ryder going down uh, by two goals early, uh, in, within the first 22 minutes. Looked like uh, Maris was going to potentially run away with this game. But Ryder came back, storming back, uh, tied it up uh, with a, a time more sh- uh, shot, a time more goal at uh, four minutes into the second half. And then Tanner Bay, once again, uh, putting some magic on the field, uh, crossing a ball into, uh, crossing a ball in front of the goal with a Maris defender making contact, sending it into the goal. Quite similar to these uh, game winning goal in a game, uh, the match against Niagara on October 23rd, uh, 3rd, if I'm not, I'm not mistaken, tying the game up and, there, there were some uh, Rowdy Rider fans there. I know I saw something on Twitter that a, a Marist fan was hit in the face with a banana, banana peel, I should say. So Rider fans, unfortunately, quite literally going bananas in the stands at Marist. But hey, it's a championship game and you just tied it. So I'm not, I'm not covering for them, but 
hey, Rowdy fans are interesting fans, to say the least. Game went to overtime, went to double overtime with uh, Pablo Gatinwa literally carrying this team on his back as he has throughout this entire playoffs, including an a rem absolutely remarkable save in overtime. But unfortunately, uh, the Bronx go down in penalty kicks as the Marist Red Foxes advanced to the NCAA tournament for the first time in 16 years. So good for Marist, but unfortunately not so good for the Bronx. But ending on a high note, head coach Charlie Inverso for the men's team said that in all 35 years of coaching, that was one of the best games he has ever witnessed. So ending the season on a bitter, a bit of a bittersweet note, but hey, they went the, uh, they went the distance and look out for this team in the spring, guys. You know, for Coach Inverso to say that, knowing all the experience he has, and that's, it sounds like a real genuine statement from him. It, it definitely was. I mean, <clears throat> if, uh, and a quote from uh, Ty Moore after the game against uh, Stony Brook, in which they won a thrilling game at that. He said that the season up to that point had been a roller coaster, and that was only after the fifth or sixth game of the season. This season has been so many uh, had so many ups and downs for this Bronx team, and hey, not the ending that any uh, they would have wanted, but they went the distance. They pulled a Rocky. They went the distance, and it was a uh, decided by a uh, penalty kicks. Unfortunately, those. Fortunately, those tip, uh, don't sometimes don't go your way. So, hey, we'll see that what this team could do in the spring, guys. Well, I, I mean, I don't even think I mean, I don't want to say that they didn't expect to get to the finals this season, um, but it came as a bit of a surprise after the first, I would say, five or six games, like you said, Trey, out of the gate. It they kind of after those after those uh, early games, at the beginning of the season, they kind of really ramped it up. Um, and it seemed the team really meshed better, especially with uh, Zaki Alibu up at the front, earning, uh, earning himself uh, offensive player of the year uh, for, for the Bronx, which is, I don't think something anyone expected. And he was on an absolute tear this season. I'm pretty sure he finished <clears throat> with the league leading goals. And let's um, not forget pop. They did this all without Pablo DeCastro too. So Zaki Alibu really stepped it up you know, when his team needed the most. Yeah, exactly. And uh, without DeCastro, that that was the thinking this year was going to be Alibu and DeCastro as a one-two punch up front. Um, and Alibu really, really stepped it up. Um, and like you said, uh, uh, Pavlone goal, some of the some of the best saves uh, I've seen in a long time from a goaltender at the college level. Like you said, the save and double overtime in the 109th minute, saved the game for the Bronx, sent it to penalty, sent it to the penalty kicks and you really couldn't have asked much more from him, especially in the playoffs. Um, and he, like you said, he carried this team and we'll have to see what they can do going into uh, next season. But shifting on from that now, we'll, we will uh, shift over to women's basketball. So Dylan, I'll send it over to you for this. Boys, how we doing? We're doing I want answers good. from everyone. We're doing pretty good. That means you, Jason. Pretty, pretty good. I'm solid. I'm solid. Boys, it's Mac Hoop season. Oh, yeah. We sleep in May. It's Mac Hoop season. <laughs> we sleep in May. That's all I have to say on this. We sleep in May. We sleep in May. AC, we're coming back. Just over 100 days away. Atlantic really? Circle. Just over 100 days away, ladies and gentlemen. 
We're getting there. Matt We're getting there. Matt Coops is back. Very excited. It's very, very back. It's in full swing. <laughs> the women's basketball slate has been interesting, to say the least. Last season, Ryder started out 0-12 in the pandemic-shortened season. Now they're 0-2. And they have a non-conference slate this year. And they have lost their opener to Penn State, 83-69, and a real close one against LaSalle that Ryder clawed its way back from the deep abyss against a team that they really could have competed against. LaSalle is more so Ryder's level than Penn State of the Big Ten, if you will. You know, after the Penn State game, head coach Lynn Milligan said that they were their biggest disappointment was that they gave up 83 points. They'll sprinkle in these games against high major opponents to really give the team some experience, give the team some experience against somebody clearly better than them. Obviously, Penn State is going to, you know, contend with Rod, is going to, you know, they're a better team on paper than Ryder. You know, but last time they played them was 2019, and Ryder actually beat them the last time. But who was on that team? Stella Johnson, eventual, eventual WNBA player and now player in Poland. Amari Johnson, who won Defensive Player of the Year that year. Um, Leia Favre, one of the best field goal shoot, shooters the MAC has ever seen. Uh, you got Aubrey Johnson, a solid center. You got Amanda Mobley, who is the only person from that lineup to still be on the team. Really, if you think about it, I mean, Teresa Wolak was on the team too. Um, I can't, I'm losing, I'm losing if Sophia DeMar was still on that team too in that class, but I don't even think they were. Um, it was 2019, 2020. I think that was, that was like, no, they would have been freshmen then. But back to this season, <clears throat> the one constant from that, from those two games has been Linasia Evans and her contributions coming off the bench. Corolla, I know you and I have spoken a lot yes. about her and her fantastic play. She really just comes in at just the right times, and Ryder's just so much better with her on the floor. I'm telling and you, she's going to win six women of the year. I knew me, you me and Sean, that. Me and Sean, Sean Turnerbroff, our, our managing editor of the Ryder News, we've talked about this before, even before the season started, and as well as me and you, Dylan, how she – has the chance to win six women of the year. She has looked so good off the bench. She really has. And, you know, I asked, I asked, you know, coach Milligan, if like, you know, she would ever start the, she would ever start a game. She said she doesn't know. Objectively, Milligan's not toying with the starting lineup. Your point guard will always be Amanda. Your two guard, your two and three guards will always be my eyes and Michaela Fireball. No question about it. That's not changing. Barring anything unforeseen, or if one of them gets injured, maybe Linasia would step in, you know, to replace them if an injury situation happened, maybe. Um, but Linasia's role is really off the bench in that sixth, um, in that sixth spot. Um, you're first off the bench. She had there was a point in time where she had 13 points and 11 minutes of action. I mean, she just the team gets another level of effort, chemistry, just a boost of enthusiasm when she's on the court doing her thing. She is a baller. 
to say the least. She is a real baller. And she and Ryder's just benefited from it really, really well. I've also I've also been a little concerned with the play of the starters. I don't think the starting lineup, with the exception of Rafael Toussaint, has has lived up to expectations. Yes, we're two games in. I know it's early. Rafi Toussaint has had career, is on pace for a career year. I don't remember which game it was, but she had 21 points in a game, and the rest of the starters didn't have over 10. Michaela Fireball, I think, had nine. But Michaela Fireball, co-offensive rookie of the year, or co-rookie of the year last year. I'm expecting a little more from this starting lineup. Amanda Mobley's fully healthy. She's ready to go. I know she was nicked up a, a bit last season. She's ready to go. Maya Hyacinth is ready to go, being the defensive player that she is. Michaela Fireball ready to go. Rafi Toussaint certainly ready to go. Victoria Toomey, she, she, we're not expecting her to score that much, but she's been getting into some foul trouble a little bit lately. That's, that's a constant for her. She gets into foul trouble. But she knocks it down when she when she needs to. So women's basketball has a couple games coming up on one on Saturday, and then they have a Lehigh a tournament at Lehigh. Um, but they have a week in between games, and I think this week could really benefit them if if they really wanted to. Yeah, I I mean, like I like I talked about it with Lanasia. I mean, like you said, she kind of brings an energy to the team off the bench that from so far to start the season with the starters that they've been running. Like you said, I don't think coach Milligan's going to really change them, mm-hmm. but it's rare that Lynn Milligan ever makes the starting line of change. Yeah. Usually what you see on day one is what you're going to see throughout the season. Yeah. And <clears throat> with that, I think they've, like you said, they need to be better production wise, except for, except for Rafi. Um, she's been fantastic so far to start the year. Um, and I think the rest of the starters have kind of come out flat. And I think that's where Lanasia is shining so far this year is bringing that energy and bringing that compete level that it seems like a few of the other starters aren't having. I, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about it while you were mentioning it, the, the last starting lineup change that Milligan really made was putting Rafi Toussaint in the starting lineup in place of Deja Moses last year. So, you know, Rafi's ex- really excelled in that role. She's only getting better. And she could be a, a real formidable, you know, fo- forward slash center in this league, you know, her junior, her senior year. You know, it'll be... If she has a real a couple really good years, you know you could start comparing her to Lou. I'll say I'll I'll go on the record and say that you could compare her to Lou Lopez Senshaw. Her rebounding is probably just as good. You know I think Lou Lopez Senshaw obviously has the best footwork in the league. You're not matching that. You're not matching her post moves and her post presence, but scoring wise. There's no reason why Rafi Toussaint can't 
can't be like Lou Lopez Senshaw. I know that's a tall order. It's possible. It's very possible. Lynn Milligan has a lot of potential in Rafi Toussaint. She sees it. She always has. That's why she brought her into Ryder. You know, the question is now, does Rafi Toussaint see it? Well, it's also if the rest of the team can work around her as well. Are you That's... making her your number one option now, or is it still going to be Michaela Fireball? Yeah. You or do, you need, do you need to find a combination of both? Instead yeah, of just having a definite number one, try and find a, a combination of both somehow, maybe like maybe not 100% of each one, maybe a 40-60, or try even, even with 50-50 on each side. Could be. Because if you've got, yeah, if you've got a one-two punch, then it it could definitely work out good for the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. So let's talk. Let's talk men's basketball. They're perfect at home. Jake Tiger was at his first men's basketball game. Jake, what it feel like being on press row? It was actually like so cool. Uh, (laughs) You don't realize until you get there that you're. like not only are you close, but like, you know, a basketball can just come flying at you out of nowhere. Or if someone's like <laughs> diving, like to save a ball and keep it in play, like they could go over the table and like crush your laptop or knock over your coffee. Like it's kind of exhilarating in a, a weird way. Yeah. We didn't have that problem last year. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's like, we actually have to like worry about this stuff again. Because oh, it almost hard. happened a couple times at the, uh, it happened almost a couple times at the Delaware State game. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I had to save my laptop twice. I haven't had to do that yet, but. Can we talk about the guy point. who's like 7'3 on Delaware State? Yes. Just I was yes. just about to. I we, just want to mention that. Chris Stodham, number 21 on U, uh, Del State, 7'3. This man is Jesus. a unit. I was a, He's gigantic. I was uh, engineering for 1077 the Bronx uh, retro, uh, their coverage of that. Uh, so, like, quick little plug for them. And they kept talking in the pregame show about this absolute unit of a man. And somehow the Bronx were able to contain him. Well, we will we'll definitely get to that. But first, I want to have uh, Jake kind of give, like, not really a brief review, but, like, just go over a little bit about the Coppin State game that you got to got to cover on Friday. Yeah, I thought the team uh, looked really solid in that game. They, with this roster, uh, they kind of have the potential to do any given thing well on on a uh, shooting, defending. Uh, against Coppin State, it was rebounding for sure. They just totally dominated on the boards. Um, and I, I've been saying that the, the difference maker was the second chance points. You win by 12 and uh, you outscore – Coppin State uh, in second chance points, 20 to six. So that's 14 point difference. That's your, that's your win right there. Um, and just, I love, I love Ajiri. It, like his, his hustle, like he works for every board. He's so fun to watch. And Demencio too. He, he goes up and gets every single rebound. It, it's, it was just too much for Coppin State. Uh, it was really satisfying to watch. Um, one thing in that game, I guess a couple things in that game, though, um, that are a little bit concerning that the team definitely needs to work on is is defense for one, uh, like especially giving up open shots. Uh, they're a, a bit slow to react at times. 
it's almost like they're like I don't know saving themselves for the the offensive end because that's where they they can really get it going um just like not catching up with swing passes like they kick it out and they they can't get there for the closeout in time and then the other thing uh that was a little concerning to me was the the bench in that game uh because you score 81 points which is a, a lot in college um but only 11 of those points came from the bench and it was only from two people off of the bench. I think the whole rotation mainly was only six or seven people. And I, I asked coach Baggett about that and he wasn't super concerned. And I, I agree with him. Like at the end of the day, if you, if you come out with a win every night, you can't really complain about the bench scoring or whatever. But uh, if this team wants to be consistent going forward, some of those bench people really have to step up. Like with the women's team, you're talking about how, how great it is to have Linasia off the bench when uh, you have to take some of your starters out just to give them some rest. Uh, I think this team could really use someone like that off the bench, just a consistent, uh, reliable person that they can go to uh, at, at a given moment. That's so one of those people really needs to step up right now. Well, I, I really like how you brought that point up about having how, how the women have with the women's team, having that in Linasia Evans, the men's team needs that. <laughs> One player that last season the Bronx really, really got to enjoy to have on their team is Dontrell McCorder, who played fantastic for the Bronx, looked looked amazing coming off the bench um, for them as their as their six man. Maybe not on the biggest side, but he definitely, at least in the MAC tournament, showed that he could play um, and play very well for the Ryder team. Uh, was able to draw charges like crazy. I'm pretty sure in the MAC tournament in one, I think it was their uh, quarterfinals game. I'm pretty sure he drew four or five charges alone in that game, Hmm. um, which was insane. And he is sorely missed on this Ryder team, especially off the bench. Like you said, they really, really are missing that piece. Although in the, in the game against Delaware state, which Delaware State, uh, I'm pretty sure just a week prior from this game, this game was on Sunday, just a week prior, Delaware State lost to a D3 team, Um, which is not good for them, but it's even worse for the Bronx to only win this game by 10. They should have won this game by 20 points. Even I was talking with uh, a couple other reporters that were there. They were saying that Ryder should have steamrolled this team by 30. That's... That's where this game was for Ryder. At the beginning of the game, both both teams came out scoring slow with, I think it was by like 11 minutes um, left in the first half, there was each team had only scored seven points. That's really slow pace for men's basketball, especially at the college level. Um, And even though, like you said, uh, um, like with Ajiri, he did look very good in this game, especially having to go up against uh, a seven-three uh, center in Chris Sodom yeah, uh, that's, for Delaware State. That's what I love about him. He just works so hard. He makes up for his his lack of fight as the center. Uh, he's what like six six eight, I think. I'm pretty sure six um, eight. Yeah, and you know he's small for a center, but he just works so hard for everything. I I just I love watching him. Yeah, and uh, even after the game, he talked about it a little bit how he had got blocked on one of his first shot attempts against 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 Sodom. And he kind of went back to his coaches and asked them what they, what he should try and do differently. Um, and told him not to show him the ball. 
and uh, not to, told him to show him the ball. And when he did, uh, Ajiri started getting better layups and easier layups. Um, and one of the quotes that uh, Ajiri said was, uh, not to play scared or afraid of him just because he's taller than me, mm-hmm. which is a great, fantastic quote and exactly how he should play. And he had, I'm pretty sure, 12 assists, uh, not 12 assists, 12 rebounds in this game uh, against oh, Delaware State. Yeah, and looked. Assists. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, uh, 12 rebounds uh, yeah. in this game. And he even got uh, in the play offensively with a monster put-back slam dunk. Uh, in the second half over oh, yeah. over Sodom and over two other Hornets players, which completely blew the lid off of alumni gym. Everyone went insane after that um, in I the know, fans uh, and on the guys on the bench. Tom Tremarco, who was covering the game for uh, 107.7, the Bronx retro was absolutely screaming into his microphone. So that was a huge moment in the game for the Bronx. Yeah, yeah it was, it was a big, big moment. Um, really electrified the room uh, and the court for Ryder. And one thing that's really hampered the team this year is shooting. It has not been good, to say the least. Um, And especially in the first half, 10 for 36 from the field and 4 for 16 from the three-point line. That is bad. Yeah, That is bad for this team. We finished in in terms of percentage. We finished uh, just about that bad on the whole game. Yeah, it was a, it was around that for the whole game as well. Eighteen percent from three is not going to cut it against a, a decent team. And w- what's strange is they have guys who can shoot. They have guys who can shoot from the three. Uh, Alan Powell is when he's on, he is on fire from the. Yeah, three. he's kind of underrated. I, I I like him a lot too. He's good. When he gets hot, he he cannot be stopped from the three point line. And even someone like and and even with with Dwight Murray Jr. When he's on, he is on fire. You can't stop him. And I wonder how much if uh, I don't know if you noticed it, Jake, while when you were at the game, but um, Murray has two of his fingers in a um, in a splint right now. They're they're wrapped together. Um, I wonder how much that's playing into Dwight's shooting. Um, although he did go one for five from the three, six from 17 from the field in the game against Delaware state. Um, but one of the players I actually wanted to point out in the game was Jeremiah Pope off the bench for Ryder. Thank you. He only played 16 minutes, but two for four from the three, three for five from the field and six for six perfection from the free throw line looked fantastic. Even got in, uh, I mean, he had 14 points, led the team. Um, team only had 63 points. And right behind him, Dwight Murray Jr. and Demencio Vaughn. Um, but off the bench, Pope looked great. He could not miss. Yeah, yeah, that that's great to see. Like, I guess what I'm saying, like, with these teams' flaws, the shooting, the, the defense, the bench scoring, like, they've all been there at points. It's just they really need to elevate themselves and be able to do all those things on a, a fairly consistent basis if they want to like, uh, like get to the the next level. You know, like if if Pope can show up uh, every night and not you know not fourteen points in sixteen minutes type of performance, but just be a consistent guy off the bench that'll give you uh, around six eight points on good efficiency. This a, rel- a reliable guy that you can 
that you can put in the game at any time. That'd be great to have. And even if you're looking for more offense, another player who didn't really do much in this game, surprisingly, was Corey McKeithen. He didn't really do much of all, much of anything in this game, was didn't have any points, was yeah. 0 for 2 from the field, 0 for 1 from the 3, played 16 minutes. Didn't yeah. really see much, but he didn't really show much. Yeah, he's been a little slow to start this season. In the Coppin State game, he was really quiet too, but um, I, I don't know. That was weird because two people fouled out by the end of the game, Mervyn James and Ajiri both fouled out, but uh, Coach Baggett was still going with such a, a short rotation. McKeithen in that game only played 11 of 11 minutes, and that's with two people fouling out. Uh, so you can you can see Baggett is still like working around with the the rotations and the lineups and trying to figure out what's best. Uh, I'm confident he'll get it figured out soon. Yeah, I am as well. Um, and I wonder how much of that plays into the fact that, I mean, McKeithen is basically a redshirt freshman, uh, redshirt freshman who didn't get to play at all last season yeah. um, due to injury. And this being his first season, first games in over a year, that's definitely something that needs to be taken into account. But either way, looking forward just briefly, the Bronx go on a long streak of on the road. Don't hit, uh, don't get back into alumni gym in, until December 5th. Um, so they're on the road from November 17th when they face Bucknell this Wednesday. Um, and their last away game until they come back to Lawrenceville is December 3rd at Iona. So they're gone for a long time, and they've got the Cancun Challenge coming up where they're going to play Buffalo, Middle Tennessee, and either Bucknell or Mercer. Um, and then after that, South Carolina, uh, Ole Miss, which is a That's gonna uh, be big awesome. game for Dementio, um, playing their last season, then coming back to Ryder, then Iona, yeah. and then Marist um, back home for their first game back in just under a month. But either way, basketball uh, – for both men and women's need to, even though the men are two and one need to find uh, a way to be a little bit better for both teams. But regardless, we're going to shift over now to uh, quickly do uh, a little bit of a breakdown on volleyball as they've got their Mac uh, quarterfinals matchup coming up soon. Yeah. So volleyball has been, volleyball had a really as perfect of a closing stretch as you could possibly ask for after two rough games, um, to start their last six home, the last six games of the season, Ryder went four and two. All four wins were at home. The two, the two losses were back-to-back away losses. But I think the most impressive stretch were these last two games against Canisius and Niagara to close out the season. And Ryder got down 2-0 and then won three straight sets both games the reverse sweep is rare but when it happens it's a thing of beauty and you can't stop that train so Annalise Cher set a record for most assists in a single game I think with like 68 or 69 um I think it was 68 actually um but yeah you got Morgan Romano cooking you got Jillian Chan cooking you got Toy Schrader cooking you got that whole lineup Pam Lowe, you know, cooking, you know, when you got all those pieces moving as one cohesive unit, Jeff Rotundo is a real happy man. And he'll, I know he wanted to be the number one seed. He'll settle for number two. 
Fairfield's number one, obviously. So right now, Ryder has a date against Iona in the MAC quarterfinals, and they won't they won't see number one Fairfield unless they make the finals. And Fairfield, as we all know, the MAC championship last year, how that was handled. Ryder was supposed to play Fairfield, but Fairfield had COVID, and they got kicked out of the tournament, which caused Ryder to automatically move forward. Thus, you know, granting them a much easier path to the finals. So now everybody's healthy. Nobody has COVID. I don't think, knock on wood, nobody gets it. And it's anyone's tournament. Yeah, it, well, I don't want to say it's it's Fairfield or Riders tournament because anything can happen because it's the Mac. Um, we are the Mac. We? we are we are the Mac. Um, but since Ryder is number two, since since Ryder is number two, like you said, they're not going to see Fairfield unless they make the finals. Which both the games that Ryder played against Fairfield this year, they lost both of them. So if they get there to the finals, it's going to be tough. Um, but and it's going to be tough to get there first off for for the Bronx. But either way, volleyball looking to uh, really take all the momentum they have at the end of the season into the MAC tournament with them. But now quickly uh, to end off the show, we'll wrap it up here with some Ryder ice hockey. Uh, they had pink in the rink night this weekend, this past Friday, um, playing against uh, playing against the Drexel Dragons, um, and. They played very well. Five nothing win, five nothing shutout win over Drexel. Looked pretty good. Had some a little bit of rough stretches, um, even though they didn't get scored on. There were a couple spots where they probably could have put on a couple more goals um, for uh, for the team. But for uh, in net, uh, Trevor Giverowski, uh, the freshman sensate, well, one of the freshman sensations, I would say, on the team with his third shutout of the year in just I think eight games played um, for him. And he's looked fantastic uh, for the Bronx so far. And just going over the goal score, goal scorers quickly. Cercio, uh Dom Cercio has two goals, had two goals for Ryder. Zito scored a goal. Um, Chris Waleko with another uh, for this year, having a big year uh, from him. And uh, and for his efforts, uh, Convery got the uh, hard hat, as the team like to say, and pink in the rink night. Couldn't really put it any better. A five nothing win for for the Bronx, and on a, what a special night it could have been. You did forget one goal scorer there. I'm I'm gonna do the th- Eric thing. Joey uh, Cole, oh, baby. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I forgot about the Joey Cole goal. Yeah. Um. Quite a few interesting moments from that. Dom Circio probably could have had quite a few uh, chances to get a hat trick in that game. Had a nice uh, toe drag there that I just all. Like almost cleared, uh, got past the goaltender, and then without a couple of seconds remaining in the game, t- t- uh, Trevor Giverowski, excuse me, made two back to back incredible saves. Yeah, they were able, excuse me, uh, your uh, your mic cut out, Trey, and but uh, they were able to. Okay, technical difficulties on my end. I apologize there, but they were able to shut out the Drexel Dragons, and then unfortunately the next day they were shut out by, ironically, the exact same score against a tough uh, University of Delaware uh, Blue Hens team. That was uh, 
that was a bit of a rough game for the Bronx. I uh, was able to go there myself and be able to uh, take the hour and a half drive down to Udell. And unfortunately, the team just looked off uh, on pretty much every uh, point, er pretty much on every uh, aspect of the team. Their defense was off. Uh, Givarowski just kind of looked lost there in net. They did have chances, though. They had uh, 31 shots on goal compared to Delaware's uh, 30, but Delaware was clearly the better team, and they put five on the board. So not really uh, – hey, Del Udell is uh, – they're a tough team. They have been for the last couple of years. So they're – it was a tough road to hell for the Bronx. Their first uh, law, regulation loss of the year they lost uh, in penalty shootouts to Stevenson – uh, a couple uh, last week, excuse me. So it's been a bit of a rough patch for the Bronx. They do face uh, Rowan, which is uh, they beat uh, in overtime earlier in this season, two to one. So there's that. Then Saturday night, they will play Montclair State rematch of the season opener in which they uh, defeated them 10 to one in that route on opening night. So it's going to be an interesting uh, weekend of hockey for the Bronx. And Hey, it's been a good season so far. They are 10, one and one, if I'm not mistaken, or I believe 11, one and one, including the Drexel win. So, Hey, it's been a good year for the Bronx and they're hopefully they'll keep it going. Yeah. And especially with that Rowan game coming up on Friday night, big, big game to say the least against uh, one of one of Ryder's biggest rivals, um, like you said, beat them earlier this season in overtime. Chris, Chris Willeka with that uh, overtime goal. But either way, that's going to wrap it up for the show here today. Uh, thank you all so very much for listening. For myself, Carol Pascal, along with Dylan Manfrey, Trey Wright, and Jake Tiger, you've been listening to the Sports Section Podcast, a podcast brought to you by the Rider News. Have a good one, everyone.